I'm just gonna go watch a movie. I'm just gonna go watch a movie. Hey everyone, we are back for episode 15 of Ryan's One Word Reviews. As you probably noticed, I changed up the intro there a little bit to keep you all on edge, and any good movie podcast has to include some awesome powers in there. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into some movie news. Once again, Tenet is making headlines, this time for even more bad news. Warner Brothers has delayed Tenet, quote, indefinitely, aka it's not even on the release calendar anymore. But Warner Brothers still plans to release it in 2020. So now for a quick timeline of Tenet's release struggles. Number one, Tenet is set to debut in theaters on July 17th. Two, Tenet delayed to July 31st. Three, Tenet delayed to August 12th. Four, Tenet now indefinitely delayed in the United States. Americans may also be the last audience to see the film too. Tenet may release overseas before American theaters even open, as some overseas theaters are experiencing solid box office returns for some smaller films. It's a big risk with piracy these days, and I know I will try my best to avoid any spoilers floating around the internet if this does in fact happen. Here's the good news though. According to IndieWire, Tenet is 100% certain as a theatrical release, which is really good because this movie belongs on the big screen, not my TV in the basement. I can't help but think of some really solid 2020 films that would have been even better in theaters. Greyhound is one of them. I think Relic, which will be reviewed this week, is another. You know, the more I think of it, Palm Springs is really starting to look like the perfect movie to describe 2020. Today, tomorrow, yesterday, it's all the same. This week, I have two trailers of the week for you. The first one, titled Tesla, comes from IFC Films. Here's the official synopsis. Brilliant visionary Nikola Tesla fights an uphill battle to bring his revolutionary electrical system to fruition then faces thornier challenges with his new system for worldwide wireless energy. The film tracks Tesla's uneasy interactions with his fellow inventor, Thomas Edison, and his patron, George Westinghouse. Another thread traces Tesla's sidewinding courtship of financial titan, J.P. Morgan, whose daughter, Anne, takes a more-than-casual interest in the inventor. Anne analyzes and presents the story as it unfolds, offering a distinctly modern voice to this scientific period drama, which, like its subject, defies convention. The trailer is wild, with Ethan Hawke looking somewhat convincing as Tesla, and then all of a sudden, I see these historical figures using Google and smartphones. Tesla looks absolutely odd, but enchanting in a weird way, and I'm not sure if it will totally fall flat or if it will absolutely blow me away. Maybe a historical figure as smart and complex as Tesla deserves a wild biopic like this. I hope it works. Currently, with 12 reviews, Tesla has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tesla is directed by Michael Almereda and stars Ethan Hawke, Kyle MacLachlan, Jim Gaffigan, and Eve Hewson. Tesla comes to streaming services on August 21st. My second trailer of the week, titled Possessor, comes from Neon Films. Here's the official synopsis. Possessor follows an agent who works for a secretive organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, 
ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. The first trailer for Possessor is a red band teaser trailer, but it looks extremely dark, graphic, and overall quite horrifying. The poster alone is horrifying. The film was directed by Brandon Cronenberg, the son of famed director David Cronenberg, who's directed such classic as Scanners, Videodrome, and my personal favorite of his, The Fly. Now, this movie will definitely not be for everyone, but it had Twitter buzzing this week. Currently with 27 reviews, Possessor has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. There is no release date yet for Possessor. This week's first feature is Crip Camp, a disability revolution. Ryan's one-word review, uplifting. Down the road from Woodstock, a revolution blossomed at a ramshackle summer camp for teenagers with disabilities, transforming their lives and igniting a landmark movement. Crip Camp is directed by the duo of Nicole Noonan and Jim Lebrecht. The film comes from Higher Ground Productions, the film production company founded by former President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama. Currently, Crip Camp has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes with 82 reviews. Not only is that really difficult to do, but it's really rare for that to happen. I'm not sure how anyone could honestly dislike this film. Now, for the first 15 to 20 minutes, I'll be honest. I was a little unsure of the film. I wasn't sure where the film was going because I went in not knowing anything about the film at all. The first chunk of the film somehow miraculously shows archival footage from Camp Jeanette, a camp, quote, for the handicapped in the Catskill Mountains. It's very much planted in those counterculture days of the late 1960s and the early 1970s, during the turbulent times of Vietnam and the Nixon presidency. We see people with all different types of, quote, disabilities. And I use that in quotes because at Jeanette, their disabilities seem to disappear. The stigma of being sick, as one camper puts it, goes away while at Jeanette. They're free to be themselves and form friendships with people like themselves. The discussions had by the campers are intimate and show real hurt and trauma they've experienced. Camp Jeanette aimed to change that. A star emerges in, emerges in this documentary, Judy Human, a young girl struck with polio at the age of two in 1949, I believe. Judy is confined to a wheelchair, but carries with her the fierceness required to make good trouble, as the late civil rights hero John Lewis would put it. Under Judy's leadership, her political action group, Disabled in Action, led various protests and a 28-day sit-in at the San Francisco Office of Health, leading to federal changes for those with disabilities. That's still the longest ever sit-in at a federal building. I take for granted accessibility. I've never thought twice about ramps, elevator access, or anything like that. But Crip Camp shows us a time before this access was unimaginable and too expensive, as politicians put it. It shows the profound impact these changes had on a large segment of the American population. People like Judy had to fight to be a part of American society, as other groups have had to fight for that same right. Crip Camp tells a civil rights story that's never been taught in schools, yet deserves its rightful spot. 
I'm so glad that I saw this film, and I think it's a real contender for Best Documentary Feature at the Oscars. By the end of the film, I was damn near holding back tears of joy. Critic Adam Graham's words nicely encapsulate my views on the film. Quote, Crip Camp shows change can come from anyone, anywhere, at any time. It's a lesson that should always be taken to heart, but rings especially true now. End quote. In our divisive political world, Crip Camp shows that anyone, and I do mean anyone, is capable of making a difference. It doesn't matter if you're blind, paralyzed, deaf, or suffer from a developmental disability. When people come together, change can happen. Once people see with their hearts and not their eyes, change happens. When people stop waiting for what they want and they fight for what they want, change happens. Crip Camp should be required watching for anyone doubting their ability to change the world. I'm giving this one 4.5 globes. This week's second feature is Relic. Ryan's one-word review? Chilling. When Edna, the elderly and widowed matriarch of the family, goes missing, her daughter Kay and granddaughter Sam travel to their remote family home to find her. Soon after her return, they start to discover a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of Edna. Relic is directed and written by first-timer Natalie Erica James. The film stars Emily Mortimer as distant daughter Kay, Robin Nevin as the terrifying Edna, and Bella Heathcote as concerned granddaughter Sam. Honestly, I wouldn't even pay much attention to that synopsis I just gave you. This isn't your typical haunted house movie. Relic has been hyped up on film Twitter for a while now, but also quite polarizing. Scoring a 91% with critics, but only 44% with the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, Relic is not exactly loved by all. Here's why I think there's such a difference in those scores. Relic is not your stereotypical horror movie, with jump scares, gore, and overall ridiculousness. It's very slow burn and draws you in with its visuals and effective messaging rather than jump scares. I find that modern audiences don't always appreciate a horror film that acts as an allegory. In this case, Relic makes dementia and Alzheimer's the demon and shows its debilitating effect on families and generations. All three actresses provide really solid performances for me, but I think Robin Nevin shines as Edna. Her blank stares are enough to send chills down your spine. The set design here is pretty typical, as Edna lives in a creepy old house in the woods because it's a horror movie, and of course there's nowhere else to live in a horror movie but the woods. I also like that Relic didn't really have to rely on those jump scares to ratchet up the tension. But instead, it uses shadows to really draw your attention to the screen. I even had to rewind a couple times because I had to make sure I actually saw what I thought I saw. As mentioned previously, Relic is polarizing for critics and audiences, and I think the final act is why. The ending here is quite unique, and it really brings the film's message together. However, it seems like a good chunk of viewers also didn't like the ending so much. Critic Kimber Meyer states, quote, This is the first horror movie that not only made me gasp, but also made me sob, struggling to catch a breath at the beauty and tragedy of what James creates on screen. End quote. 
The ending goes from frantic to emotional really pretty quickly, as we see a family coming to terms with a terrible, debilitating disease. I've seen Alzheimer's effect on people, taking them from clean, friendly, and charming to hateful, unkept, and quite frankly, blank. It's really hard to watch, and it leaves you feeling helpless. Personally, I thought the final scene was well done, even if I didn't love the peeling scene, as I would call it, and I'll leave it at that to avoid any spoilers. I'm giving Relic 3.5 Globes as a chilling and unnerving look at Alzheimer's and family drama. This week's Rewind Review is V for Vendetta. Ryan's one-word review? Relevant. In a future British tyranny, a shadowy freedom fighter, known only by the alias of V, plots to overthrow it with the help of a young woman. V for Vendetta is directed by James McTeague and written by the Wachowski sisters, who also wrote The Matrix. The film stars Hugo Weaving as V, our masked anarchy crusader, Natalie Portman as Evie, a former juvenile turned freedom fighter, and John Hurt as High Chancellor, aka Dictator, Adam Sutler. Although this is a rewind review, I've never fully watched V for Vendetta in its entirety. I've seen bits and pieces on TV and understood its general premise. But I decided I'd do a rewind review to see if it still holds up and whether or not it's still relevant to our world today. The answer to both of those questions is yes. I think the film still holds up quite well, and it is scarily relevant to our world today, unfortunately. So let's look at the good of V for Vendetta. 1. Hugo Weaving's V is an undeniably cool hero in Hollywood history, donning one of the most recognizable masks of all time. This film made the Guy Fawkes mask a true symbol of resistance that is still featured in protests throughout the world. And yes, V is a hero, not a villain. The action sequences, although in slow motion, it seems, still work and are really fun to watch. V's knives against guns approach makes for some really cool sequences, although I was hoping for some more in this department. The messaging of the film still holds true. Thomas Jefferson himself said, quote, I hold that a little rebellion now and then is a good thing and is necessary in the political world as storms in the physical. V's pursuit against injustice and tyranny feels ever-relevant as America continues to see demonstrations against a lack of social justice. 4. Not seeing V's face. I'm going to discuss this when talking about the film's well-done ending in my point of view. Here's what didn't work for me. There's a real lack of action sequences in this film. Sure, when they happen, they're great, but there's a void in the middle of the film where we almost get none of that, and it got a little dry for me. V's backstory is also a little hazy for the most part. We know he was tested on like the Nazis once did during the Holocaust, but for what reason? And how did he survive this fire? The best part of this film is its ending. V knows he cannot see the revolution through and essentially goes out on his shield like the Valiant 300 once did. I love the transfer of revolution power from V to Evie, as he knows he cannot force change on others. They themselves have to want to change first. This is all too relevant today. 
Although we want to see his face, his anonymity allows his ideas, which he describes in the film as bulletproof, to live on without him. As the people of London unmask themselves at the end, Evie states that, quote, he was all of us, showing that the people had the power all along. V was simply the spark. It makes me really proud as a civics teacher, and I think this could be a really effective tool to teach the social contract that was embraced by the founders of this country and the ultimate foundation for American democracy. I'm giving V for Vendetta three globes for being a still relevant political thriller. That wraps up episode 15 of Ryan's One Word Reviews. I'm taking next week off, but be sure to check out the pod on Letterboxd too at Ryan's One Word Pod. Don't forget to leave us a review wherever you're listening. Now, be like Austin Powers and go watch a movie. Signing off.